Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Here's the story on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. Welcome, one and all. It is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. Welcome to the playoffs. It is the BTB Roundtable. You can watch us live on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. You can obviously catch it uh, at your own perusal, uh, at your own time, your own convenience. That would be lame, though. We appreciate the live in-studio audience in a metaphorical sense, of course, that joins us. You can also listen to the show on the Blog and the Boys podcast network, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we have... A full house. Uh, That is one sitcom that we are not. We are actually the Brady Bunch here tonight, as you can see, if you are watching us live. Uh, We're going to go in clockwise order, um, I guess. My name is RJ Ochoa. So starting at our top left quadrant, you hear him on first and 10. You hear and see. I'm not going to do this every time. You hear and see and, and read all these people all over the place, all throughout the Blog and the Boys universe. Tony Catalina. Everyone has worn a Navy jersey tonight because we were told earlier today the Cowboys are going to be wearing Navy on Monday night against the Buccaneers. Tony Catalina, who is your Navy Dallas Cowboys jersey? QB1, Dak Prescott, baby. Uh, it should be noted that Tony was not the first person here to wear that jersey. So even though he went first in the order, he doesn't get credit for that. Up next, Brandon Laurie. Uh, we're going to go with Laurie. The B1, B2 stuff is very confusing. So I'm going to go Laurie from here on out. Laurie, tell us who your Navy jersey is and why it is a schmedium fit on you. Uh, it is a Tony Romo jersey, and it was the first jersey I ever bought myself as a kid. So it's a, it's a throwback in my mind. Mm, well done. AJ, by the way, says that we need a group pick on Twitter. So if somebody can handle a screenshot or a picture on their phone, that would be great. We can get on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we have a lot of people who have presences uh, in all sorts of places here. Jess Navarez, thank you for joining us tonight. You were the first to arrive in a Navy Dak Prescott jersey. So you did beat Tony Catalina. It was not a photo finish. You smoked him here. I was. I, I showed up first. That's why you have to be early, Tony. You gotta be you gotta be early. But um, you know what? Kudos to you for being twins with me tonight. I love it. I love the DAC support tonight. We need that and I appreciate it. By the way, an apology to Samuel Rowe, who um, offered an excuse on my behalf, Jess, for not letting you go first uh, as a matter of ladies first. So uh, some chivalry uh, here in the comment section. David Howman is here to defend his many BTB crowns. Howman, which Navy jersey are you wearing this evening? Well, I know everybody thought it was Stephen McGee, but it's actually Trayvon Diggs. <laughs> wow. You know, good times. At, at one point in time, that was a Cooper Rush jersey, to be fair, as well. So, uh, you know, a lot of options there. Uh, before he was out, Trayvon took it. And then uh, number 10 became incredible. Brandon Clements, we're going to go by Brandon. Again, we're not going to rehash this whole situation. You were on today's episode of the Riders Block with Lori and Jess. A fantastic episode. What jersey do you have for us this particular evening? I'm wearing the 21, but it's not Ezekiel Elliott. It's actually uh, my custom jersey with my name on it. Oh, that's right. We've seen this before. Uh, you know, hey, Sturch, let's, let's all be cool. By the way, Dave Sturch is here, everybody. Uh, Danny Phantom is here. Uh, if you're watching, he has taken advantage of the technology that we live uh, with now where he has changed his background, as Tony Catalina has as well. Danny, what? Um, where, where did you take this from? What Google Images is this? And what Navy jersey are you wearing tonight? 
I have no idea where I took it from. I'm wearing it's all about the DAC. So I got DAC going. And ah. you know, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Hellman's uh, that's a Danucci. Make him turn around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 17 looked much better on Danucci. It never made sense for him to rock seven. Just kind of feels nice um, or felt nice for him to be wearing number seven. Dave Sturchio, you heard his beautiful baritone voice. Sturch, you were wearing number 24. I asked you if it was Mo Claiborne. It is not. It is a uh, Marion the Barbarian Barber jersey. It was one of one of my favorite cowboys of all time. The late great Marion Barber, certainly somebody who um, who we all have very very sp- uh, special and fond memories of. Uh, Sturge, thank you for joining us here tonight. Finally, Chris Halling. I did an Instagram live with him on Monday, so everybody heard how um, Chris. I'm just going to say it, how doom and gloom and chicken little you were about this whole situation the Cowboys find themselves in. What Navy jersey are you wearing this evening, Chris? I'm wearing the best running back of all time, Emmett Smith. You know, I predict that the Cowboys are going to end up beating the San Francisco 49ers, and then they're going to beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. And Emmett Smith did that in winning the Super Bowl MVP that year. So I'm hoping that that kind of brings that into fruition. Very different tune than I heard on Instagram Live on Monday afternoon. I'm, I'm happy to see that some time has, has kind of changed the way we're feeling. Okay, we have some points to hand out here. First of all, Shane has awarded 20 points for Dave and Jess. Uh, so opposite quadrants here. I guess this is the, the way if I'm doing it. It's very difficult. I've never had to manage this much uh, action here on the roundtable. Uh, Kevin asks what diet drink I am drinking. I have a Diet Coke from Chick-fil-A. So everyone is, is aware. Uh, Kevin has awarded everybody five points for the Cowboys gear today. Nobody with green. You gals and guys are learning. LOL. David Sturge has given you five points for the Marion Barber jersey, as has AJ Absolute beast AB wear says Sturch without so Sturk without the H. My favorite Jersey boy of all time. The Jersey boys, uh, a very, uh, we'll say infamous group in a lot of different ways, uh, certainly around the blog of the boys sector. Kevin has given you, Chris, five points because Emmett is the GOAT. All right, tonight we have a very interesting game at hand. Of course, the round table's up for grabs. There is going to be a winner. As always, it is a very fair and democratic process. Would you agree, Tony Catalina? Yeah, it's always fair. You're always doing a good job. That's right. Uh, Lori, are you concerned as we get ready to dive in here about the Cowboys wearing Navy? Do you believe in the Navy curses? They are one in six all time in playoff games when wearing blue. Nah, you know what? I Listen, the red stripe uh, was banished this year. I think the Navy's time to go to. Mm. I got to say, it's going to look good. I wasn't as pumped for this, but this right here, this moment, this picture looks incredible. Everybody did it. I asked everyone to wear a Navy jersey. I didn't even know if everybody had a Navy jersey. Uh, Danny, I think you went and bought it today. Is that true? That is not true. I actually bought this one in Oxnard a year ago. Um, but I not absolutely, l- I love the Navy jersey. They are my favorite. You know the. So although I tell you what, the 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 Arctic whites was pretty nice. I I, I love those as well. But no, I, the the Navy curse thing never never meant anything to me. I love the Navy's happy with happy they're wearing the Navy's. Mm, okay, well, we are going to play a game tonight, as mentioned. Now that we've gotten all the stupid stuff out of the way. Halman, you said that this sounded like a season of Survivor. Tonight's game, faith or fear? I have asked each of you to come up with something that you are faithful about regarding the Cowboys or fearful about. It was up to you. You could have taken any direction, either side of the fork in the road, David Halman. Some of you chose faith. Some of you chose fear. Um, I didn't specify this, but I kind of I think it was implied. I wanted it to be like your your most powerful emotion, the thing you're feeling the most right now. If that's a, a sense of fear, then well, that bums me out. If it's a sense, if it's a sense of faith, then hey, that's awesome. Uh, David Howman, do you feel like this is a season of Survivor? If so, what color would the tribe uh, bandana be? Well, I mean, this is this is easy. The color of the tribe bandana is going to be navy blue, um, and it's. I, I feel like it's a, a season of Survivor because we're all trying to outweigh everybody. We're all trying to out scheme each other and. Come away with uh, come away with most points in the end. 
Mm, well said. All right. So, uh, by the way, AJ says that faith overcomes fear, RJ. Maybe that's the spirit of tonight's show. You know, I know Christmas is over and everything like that. Maybe we have some kind of kumbaya moments here. Um, five of our roundtablers chose the side of faith. Three chose the side of fear. Nobody knows what anybody said. Nobody knows what side anybody took. I hold all the answers. Chris, who do you think chose fear? The three people. You are muted, Chris. That's okay. We'll make Whoops. we're gonna make it through. We can Sorry we can survive that. this. Um, I'm gonna go with Danny. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Brandon Laurie, and I'm gonna go with uh, Tony. Those are my three predictions. Those are your three predictions. All right. Well, we are going to start as I get ready here. Um, I wasn't prepared for this. You guys spoke too quickly. Uh, I wasn't anticipating um, this happening, so I'm just buying myself some time. All right. The first fear of the night: the Tom Brady factor. Brandon, Brandon Clements, this was not yours. Who do you think chose this as their number one emotion that they're feeling right now? Ah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Halman. You're gonna go with Halman. Well, that is five points to Brandon Clements because it was David Halman. Halman, you actually messaged me. You said, I ain't afraid of no ghost, but Tom Brady's not a ghost. Those were Halman's words. I didn't say that cheesy thing, everybody. Uh, Halman, so why are you afraid of Tom Brady? Why is that the number one thing you fear? The Cowboys have Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Leighton Vanderish posted on Instagram. It looks like he's coming back, but you're losing sleep this week because of Tom Brady. Well, the Cowboys have never beat Tom Brady ever. I mean, that's that's really it. Uh, you know, he's seven and zero against the Cowboys, two different teams. And I know the Buccaneers have been, you know, pretty bad, especially down the stretch. But Tom Brady in the playoffs, it's still Tom Brady, and he always finds a way to win these games. It's when it gets to the playoffs that's when he really turns things on. And I, I'm just looking. I mean. Not only are the Cowboys trying to win their first road playoff game this century, but they're also trying to do it against Tom Brady, who they've never, never beat before, even with their best teams. And I just don't see I just don't see it happening. That's a whole lot of historical trends you have to overcome in Tampa, especially coming off the letdown performance against Washington. It, it just scares me. Jess, absolute beast, A.B. Where says Tom Brady can tear apart our secondary. You, Laurie, and Brandon talked about the state of the secondary. You said you were more concerned about the state of the secondary than the state of the wide receiver group. Do you share this sentiment with David Hellman? Look, I, I know Tom Brady can Tom Brady, but this is not the same Tom Brady you are used to seeing. I mean, this is the first time in his career he's going into the playoffs with a losing record. And I get it. You give Tom Brady a two-minute drill – he can Tom Brady. I understand the fear. However, I really don't think that Tom Brady is prepared for what this Dallas defense can do when they get their communication back, everything set in stone, and you're not you're no longer seeing the rotation that Dan Quinn has been doing to figure out that secondary position. Sturge, David Smith says no fear, but I do have faith that TB12 will beat us. So first of all, Sturge, did you ever have an article of clothing from no fear uh, in the early 2000s? And second of all, do you believe that Tom Brady is somebody that should be feared? Uh, no, I never owned one of those pieces of clothing, but I know the eyes like that's that's like the eyes are part of that no fear logo. No, I never had it. Might have had it on my wow. car at some point. Good or times in middle school, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I was driving in high school, but I mean, if anybody's driving in middle school, it's another problem. Um, but um as far as as the Tom Brady factor, I, I'm with Jess. Uh, it's not the same. It's not the same Tom Brady. Um, I, I listen. There's been so many times. How many how many different scenarios that we all play in our heads? Like, oh, we'll do this, and then we have to go face this guy, and I don't want to face this guy, and I don't want to face it. This is what we draw, and and this is what we have to deal with. But Tom Brady is not the same guy. He's uh he's a fossil. 
The game kicks off at 8.30, which is way past his bedtime. Um, so I, I think that um, I think we're going to be all right. I honestly do. Tony, um, let's see. I've lost the comment here um, for a moment. Trying to find it, trying to find it. Uh, Johnny Boy says, the past is the past. The playoffs are now. That fear helps no one. Steven says, faith in Dak. Tony, um, again, you said you wore this jersey because QB1, Dak Prescott, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people are doubting the state of Dak. Do the Cowboys have the better quarterback in this game? Because I think if you tweeted that out, you'd get a lot of like, you know what I mean? But make the case. I think I think it's a I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, Tom Brady is 45 years old. He's not doing it the way he has in the past. And obviously, there's a healthy amount of respect that comes with uh, Tom Brady and what he can bring. But if you're talking about purely um, who's the better quarterback here and now, I think Dak Prescott is in the prime of his career. I mean, obviously, there's been some things that uh, he needs to work through. But as far as talent wise and as far as skill set and, you know, just being able to do the things that he can, I do believe there is an argument that we have the better quarterback trotting out in there on Monday night. Danny Phantom, who has the better quarterback in this game? Do you agree with Tony that it is Dak Prescott? Yes, mostly, but I do think that Brady, you know, he, he can elevate his play. And I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Brady was the better quarterback in this game. Dak's had a lot of um, variance, so to speak, in his play. And, you know, so I, it could go either way. But, I mean, definitely I think Prescott overall, you know, has the better body of work in, in the most recent history. So, yeah, Dak's the best quarterback. But I'm still fearful of Tom Brady. Hellman is right to be fearful of Tom. And it's not just Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady, you know, dissecting Nashawn Wright and then figuring out, you know, the, the, the weaknesses in, in the Cowboys secondary, because he's, you know, he's going to do that. I mean, it's not a, it's not a secret. The Cowboys went, they, they went on, they won four games, but they to start the season, but they lost to the, the Bucks. He knows how to figure the Cowboys out. So I'm worried about Tom Brady. First of all, Aisha Morrison in the comment section giving Jess Navarro some love. Listen to the two of them. They're fantastic crew on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, DallasCowboys.com, all their properties. Um, Chris, Kevin is a very loyal commenter out here, very op, you know, optimistic person. We almost called this uh, fear or optimism, but faith or fear had a cooler sound. Um, Kevin says minus five for anyone that says Dak and talking about who the better quarterback here is. And then Kevin even adds, so you guys think the interception machine, now we're calling Dak a machine, is the better quarterback. Chris Holling, who is the better quarterback today, Dak Prescott or Tom Brady? The better quarterback today is Dak Prescott, but who would I rather have in a playoff game? I'd rather have Tom Brady. I don't care if I lose the round table for that. I think the Cowboys would stand a better chance with their defense and with everyone around them if they had the best player of all time. You know, So I think Tom Brady isn't playing his best football right now, but if I had to rely on either of them to win one playoff game, I'm definitely taking the GOAT. So, Who disagrees with that? And it is, if anybody does, Tony, Tony, you were first on this exercise, but nothing else tonight. But go ahead, Tony. I mean, I understand everything that Tom Brady has done, but I mean, in the past, it, it serves in his preparation, it serves in his experience, but his body of work this year is uh, the only team in the playoffs that is under 500. I mean, they're a four seed and they limped into the playoffs and don't forget that they were tied up with a bad Atlanta Falcons team before they pulled the plug on them. This is a very uh, beatable football team. I understand that there are some things that Tom Brady's going to be able to do against this defense, but that's more of an indictment on the secondary than I think that is uh, Tom Brady being overly skilled at 45 years old. Brandon Laurie, Tony mentioned that the Buccaneers were tied with the Falcons last week when the Fal excuse me, when the Bucs were still kind of playing for the game. But a few weeks ago, and Chris and I talked about this on Instagram, the mighty Tom Brady, and again, nobody's doubting his career resume. He's the greatest player of all time, as Chris noted. But the mighty Tom Brady was tied with the Trace McSorley-led Arizona Cardinals at the end of regulation. I mean, that's an important data point in this entire discussion, is it not, Laurie? 
Yeah, no, it is. Uh, I think that Tom Brady is certainly the best player on the team. But again, the part can't always make up for the sum. I think the Bucks in general are just bad, and he's trying to will them to victory. And I will always take mobility, especially in the modern NFL that we live in right now. It, D- Brady is not mobile anymore, and you know the minute the pocket collapses, he collapses too. So I'll always take Dak. You know, running, rolling out to the right, rolling out to the left. He's shown a little bit more mobility than Brady, of course. And I'll always take that, especially with the NFL that we live in right now. Kalman, this was your point, so we'll come back to you to wrap it up. What percent of you is afraid of Tom Brady, if, for lack of a better word, based off of narrative, based off of history? I mean, is it 1%? Or, I mean, is because that, that's, that's a fair thing to say. Like, it's the greatest player of all time. That's a terrifying thing in and of itself. But what percent of your fear is based around the Tom Brady factor, as you so put it? I'd probably say about 50%, um, because, you know, that, that really is it. I mean, he's not had a good year. The Buccaneers have not had a good year. But even when you go back and you look at the Buccaneers this season, I mean, just two weeks ago to win the division, Brady engineered another one of those patented comeback drives, and he did it against a really good Panthers defense that was fighting for their playoff lives. So you can still see those flashes where, like, he still does look like classic Tom Brady. And now that it's in the playoffs and it's really a winner-go-home scenario, I just feel like that's going to come out even more. Um, But it really does largely just stem from the fact that for years now we've been saying – well, this is the year that Brady's going to fall off. He's not going to be good, and he never does. And it just feels too good to be true this year. Mm. Okay, so Kevin says, what was the score when Brady played Dallas this year? I have forgotten. AJ, I don't know if it was sarcastic or not, but didn't answer the question. 19-3 to was the score. Uh, Van says, week one was a long time ago. Samuel Rose says, Tom Brady wasn't washed week one. Y'all are acting like he didn't beat the brakes off of us this season. I don't think anybody would say that Tom Brady and the Bucks beat the brakes off of the Cowboys, but that's neither here nor there. One of you has faith in the Cowboys. And your point is that these are not the same teams from that week one matchup. Dave Sturgeo, this was not your point. Whose do you think it was? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with uh, Lori. Holy crap. We are two for two. This was Brandon Lori's point. Uh, he has faith in the Cowboys because they're not the same teams from week it- one. Explain yourself, Lori. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it really I really believe that these teams are not the same. You look at the body of work, like I talked about with with Brady. Um, he's not. He, you can't elevate the sum of its parts with just one person. You got to look at the entirety of the season. And the Cowboys have just been the better team. The Bucks offense specifically, which scared a lot of people coming into the season, they have not scored more than thirty points except for two times the season, and one of them being garbage time against the Kansas City Chiefs, which they weren't in that game to begin with. So. PFF, for whatever it's worth, has an offensive grade about 72.4, which is ranked 19th. But the teams above them are the Browns, the Saints, Steelers, and Raiders. Not very good offenses. And the thing that I've always said is the biggest problem with Dallas and their defense is their rush defense. They're, you know, It's been better, but the Buccaneers are dead last in the league right now. They're averaging about 72 uh, or 76.9, uh, which is lower than the Rams. And Rams have just been you know an atrocious in that category. So I, I just look at you know, Brady, yes, connected with Mike Evans as well in the final game, you know, when they actually were playing against the Panthers. But that was the first time he threw a touchdown pass to Evans since week four. It's just nothing has been going right. Everything I've been hearing from the Buccaneers side with beat reporters is Byron Leftwich and Brady are at odds and they've been at odds all season. And that is so far and away different from where we were week one. And I think that for the Cowboys, they've corrected a lot of problems. Yes, this last game was atrocious. And I think we can all just move on from that. But that's not who the Cowboys are. And also, I look at that the Cowboys have responded off of bad losses and exploded uh, to win games. So I, I 
trust what this coaching staff has established. I trust that they're going to bounce back from this. And especially going on the road, I, I know it hasn't looked pretty, but in a playoff atmosphere, I'll put Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, all those guys on defense that don't get pressure up against this beaten up Bucks offensive line any day of the week. Dave Sturcho, what in a positive sense is is the most is most different about the Cowboys from week one in your estimation? So in, in a positive way, where have they grown the most positively from what we saw in the season opener to where they are now, even counting last week's loss against the commanders? Reps. And facing adversity, I mean, they go in there in week one, and it's like practically the preseason, man. I mean, they ever since they shorten that up, you know, you, it takes a couple of weeks to get you know your feet under you, and uh, that's that's the, the one thing I can take from this is that they got the reps, they beat some good teams, they played down to some bad teams. It's just you know the the, the way the story kind of played out this year. But as far as that week one team, we're not even close to being that week one team, man. It's 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 just a it is completely night and day. Danny Phantom, where are the Cowboys most different in a negative sense? I mean, not that anything was good in that week one loss to the Buccaneers, but but what have they or what did they have that they no longer have? And for the purposes of this question, you can kind of use the first, I don't know, month to six weeks of the season because the season opener is kind of a difficult thing. That's tough. Um, I know. No, I'm I, not I, here to lob, lob softballs, Danny. There's a roundtable crown up for grabs. There's so many choices, really. I mean, because there's – to me, I feel like it's a secondary in the sense just because – it's without Anthony Brown, which, you know, everyone has their own opinions about Anthony Brown. I, you know, that's, it's a step down with Nishan right now. I, I think Wright's been playing really, really well, you know, to, to be fair, but I think that he's very exploitable. And also too, they're just one, one nicked up corner from having to just have Kelvin Joseph or man, I don't even know what, you know, Trayvon Mullins was doing you know, last week. So it's an area of concern, and when if, if you're going to see a lot of receivers and the Cowboys are going to have to force their safeties into coverage, you know, Donovan Wilson, great player, not the best in coverage. You know, there are some concerns that I have there, and I'll tell you what, if there's one person that knows how to dice that up, it, it's Tom Brady. So I think the secondary, and because of health, um, is, is an area where the Cowboys have, have shown some vulnerabilities. Mm. Uh, Halman, Kevin says, so our offense is better than week one, but our defense is not as good as week one. We are paper thin at corner. Taking those generalities, do you feel like the Cowboys defense is not as good as it was in the season opener? Yeah, I would agree with that. But I think part of that is just because over these last few weeks, you don't have Jonathan Hankins, you don't have Leighton Vander Esch. Um, those were two big pieces. And that's where you kind of see their defensive productivity starts kind of dropping off a bit is when those two guys go out. Part of it is also the, the secondary and they don't really know who's going to be that that second corner opposite of Trayvon Diggs when they're in the nickel. Um, obviously, Deron Bland has played great, but they're looking for that other corner. But well, Leighton Vander Esch has been uh, such a, a vital part of this defense. He's definitely proven me wrong from my comments earlier <laughs> in the season. Um, and when he goes down, when Jonathan Hankins goes down, uh, the middle of that defense is just a little bit weaker and it's it's weakened the whole defense. So getting those guys back for the playoffs, I think, will be a big step towards getting back to their dominance. Uh, Chris, quick question from the crowd. Casey Hammond says, I'll put on my RJ hat and ask other question. Would you rather be down four with a minute to go in our offense on the field or be protecting a four-point lead with a minute to go in our defense? I'm going to say that this question is specifically with regards to Tom Brady and the Bucks, Chris. Yeah, specifically with Tom Brady in mind, I would rather uh, us be down for with a minute to go and having uh, Dak drive down the field. I think Dak plays his best offense in a two minute drive situation anyway. So I think the offense would I'd feel better off in our offense getting that needed score than our secondary stopping Tom Brady from getting in the end zone. All right. So we've talked offense. We've talked defense. Let's go to the other side of the ball. One of you has faith. 
saying special teams should bounce back after last week. Last week, pretty rough. Actually, straight up trash. Kevontae Turpin, trash. Brian Anger, trash. Throw it all away. Get it out the system. Be better this coming week. On grass, I know, blah, 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 blah. Tony Catalina, a lot of pressure here. We're two for two. Who do you think has faith in the Cowboys because of special teams bouncing back after what we saw last week against Washington? Just so you know, Tony, it cannot um, be Brandon I, Laurie and it cannot be David okay. Howell. I think it's Jess. She talks about special teams a lot, so I think it's Jess. What a shock that, uh, that Tony Catalina kind of ruined the party. Actually, the party got a little bit ruined because um, Brandon, it was Brandon's, that, and he's out for the moment. Uh, so we'll see if <laughs> Brandon comes back. Tony, not totally your fault. I'll take the fault off your shoulders for this one. Uh, we'll see if he makes it back. In the meantime, just horrible timing <laughs> that Brandon having to leave at this moment. Um, Tony, <laughs> do you get think... me dizzy with his Tony... back and forth with his camera and stuff. So. Tony, do you think uh, the Cowboys special teams uh, improved? Do you think Kevante Turpin finally houses one this week? That would be a storybook type of situation. I think, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, we felt really good about Kevante. He's kind of fell down to earth. I mean, he did make a Pro Bowl um, there. But yeah, I think, uh, I, yeah, you know what? I'm going to say he does. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Kevontae Turpin kind of makes his money this week in, uh, in a big spot when they need him. I trust Brett Maher. I don't think we would have said that in September, August. You know, uh, I feel really confident in that. And, you know, Brian Anger is, is my guy going back the last year. So if I'm fairly certain, damn near confident that the special teams will figure it out and Fossil will get him going. Uh, Brandon, you were out when I did the unveiling. This was like, you know, the magician like pulls the cape off and we're supposed to, you know, see the the assistant like gone, but the assistant's still there. You can see like the bottom half, the legs just kind of, you know, flailing about. Uh, so thank you for setting me up for a really poor delivery. Why do you believe the Cowboys special teams will be better than last week? Your answer cannot be just because last week was so bad. Uh, but what do you see coming down the pipe here uh, in the wild card round? Well, as you heard on the writer's block on uh, uh, the episode this, uh, today that aired, uh, I, we were talking about the field conditions and also the, uh, the the weather. I think that was a factor. I think I think it was more so that. And then Joey Sly, you know, he I don't think he's, uh, you know, one of the, the best kickers in the league. But, I mean, look what he did. He had a poor performance, and he might be on, he might be on thin ice at this point after, uh, after the, you know, last week's game. And, you know, Brett Maher, you know, I think he gets a pass. I think this, you know, it was one missed extra point. So I'm not, I'm not that upset about it. The anger situation again, was just the weather. It was one of those things where the ball just, you know, the ball just kind of came out a weird way. He wasn't wearing gloves as Jess was telling, we were talking on, uh, on the writer's block and uh, it just, it, the ball just kind of moved to the last second. And he just, I think he took his eyes off it and mi misplayed it, but on the bright side of that anger situation, he didn't make it worse. He just grabbed it and, just, and took and, and fell down instead of, you know, instead of, you know, letting the ball roll around and maybe, maybe it's a scoop and score. So it's, you know, to me, it's, it's weather conditions. And I think, I think FedEx field is, is, is a garbage field anyway. So, you know, that's, I'm not taking too much stock in the special teams. And then Turpin, same thing. I think the ball just kind of moved at the wrong time. I think he just took his eyes off of it. I think it was. I think it was more of the field conditions and the weather conditions. I think things will be back on track uh, for the uh, for the Monday night game. Jess, do you think the Cowboys are due? Do you think Cavante Turpin is due? Is Dorrance Armstrong due for another block? Are they due for something to finally break their way on special teams after nothing really has for a long time now? Yeah, and I think what a lot of people don't realize about Cavante Turpin specifically and Aisha, she was in the comments earlier. And if she's listening, I will give her all the credit for saying this because so if she's not Turpin, listening. You won't give her the credit though. Only if she's I'll give her the credit either way, okay. but 
what she pointed out is Cavante has been playing football for about a year now. You have to remember, he just came out of another league straight to the NFL. He has been going and going and going. So when he was fresh, he had those two preseason, you know, take it all the way home plays. The thing was, Teams didn't have film on him yet. People didn't have tape on how to stop Cavante yet. Now you're seeing a full season of people that are specifically honing in on Cavante Turpin because they know he's a special player. They know he's the return guy that is capable of taking it back if he gets the hole to take it. Oh, there she is. If you get the hole to take it all the way back. So again, yes, I think they're due for something. And it was just very uncharacteristic how both sides, both Washington and the Cowboys, were playing in special teams um again we talked about that with christy scales on girls talk boys talk it was weather related there was a wind and just a lot a lot of factors that went into it so i'm not going to be too harsh on special teams but i do think they are due for something really big and this is the week to do it sturge mob rules i don't know if you're in your own mob chop sports in many senses is like the mob of sports media in a very good way um Mob rules brings up Tampa has a grass field. This has been a thing, right? Like every, every now and then, like, right. you know, you, you reach a football game where something is a thing, right? Like, you've, you know, some some sort of weird circumstance, the grass field. And, and if the Cowboys win, they'll probably have to go to Philly or San Francisco, another grass field. If they get through that game, have to go to the other, obviously another grass field. Does the grass concern you at all, Dave Sturgeon? No, it doesn't. But I was actually trying – I was talking to a colleague about this, and I'm like, well – you know, when I was growing up, it's like if you saw turf on any kind of field, when I was growing up playing, you were like, well, those guys got money over there. You know what I mean? So it's like those guys must be rich. They're playing on turf. And it's that's the field NASA field. over there. Yeah, right. But like now I'm thinking about it, like a lot of these younger kids, like the rookies and anybody who's been in the league less than like four years, probably played in high school where there was turf and college where there was turf. And the grass has become all of a sudden this lost art when it comes to professional football or any kind of football. Um, I don't think it's a thing. I, I think obviously like, yes, you are slower on grass because your cleats dig into the wrong spot and you might miss a step or two. But the fact that of all people our our our, uh, our favorite redhead, <laughs> Jason Garrett brought this up on the broadcast last week. And I'm like, dude, you couldn't be reaching farther <laughs> to try to figure out why the Cowboys would not do well next week. So no, I don't, I don't take this into consideration at all. I don't. I got to hand it to Jason Garrett. Like, finally, it took him the entire regular season, but finally kind of became part of the content machine. You know what I mean? Like, had something that, that became like a national sort of, you know, talking point and storyline. Danny, I know you love him, so sorry. I didn't mean any uh, indirect shots there. David Hellman, one of you has faith. There's a lot of faith going around right now. Uh, George Michael would be very happy because reinforcements are on the way. It was not you, obviously, David Hamill. We've gone through years. Who do you think has faith for this exact reason? I feel like it's Chris. I feel like he's got that that positive energy. Tony, you are the only one who did not correctly guess um, a, a, a faith or fear tonight, at least halfway through. Uh, Chris Halling, you actually changed. You, you you were all over the place today in my DMs, like going back and forth, I faith, fear, whatever. Why did you land on this? Is this your number one emotion right now? I do. I think that, you know, obviously my, my uh, initial fear was uh, Kellen Moore based because like, you know, that I don't like him and, and I'm very scared of him as our play caller, but I think the there's biggest a fear out there emotion... on that. Don't worry that that will get covered. Okay. Don't worry, Chris. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think the biggest faith for sure. And the biggest emotion is that we're getting Leighton Vander Esch, Jonathan Hankins and Tyler Biotish back. And that's huge. I think for, for our entire team, I mean, the run game, both defensively has looked way worse since Hankins has been out. He's a big hole. He, uh, uh, 
I mean, like a big like log up in the middle. And then our offensive run game too, it struggled a lot against the commanders. Uh, Zico Elliott had eight carries for 10 yards and Tony Pollard had seven carries for 19 yards. I mean, having your center back who I think has had a really underrated season, I think that'll be really helpful. I also don't really trust Anthony Barr when it comes to his coverage ability. He's been struggling a lot at that and I think he gets fooled pretty easily. So to have Leighton Vander Esch back there, your um, leader on the defensive side of the ball outside of Micah, I think, I think that that's really good for the team. And I think that that really will be a completely different side of the ball um, defensively for us uh, on uh, Monday. So, T- Tony, I agree with Chris in general. And not to take a shot at Cowboys fans, but like we have this tendency to kind of overrate and overvalue our own players. Danny talked about, I don't know what Trayvon Mullen was doing last week. Well, if you check Twitter for the last two weeks, why aren't they playing Trayvon Mullen? What's going on? Trayvon Mullen is again the game, right? Like, just because Leighton Vanders, Jonathan Hankins, you know, coming back, Tyler Biotish, obviously, it's like you're not getting three all pros. And again, I don't mean to diminish, you know, or, or oversimplify this this whole situation here. But like, are, is is that too big of a leap? Is that too big of a positive spin, Tony Catalina, that these players are, are supposed to come back this week? No, I don't think so. I think uh, Leighton Vanders, uh, uh, there's been a clear, you know, difference in the way that the run game has been played when Hankins and, uh, you know, Leighton Vanderesh has been out. So for him, for them to come back, I think that's on, only going to help the running game because honestly, it's it's been pretty poor. Um, so yeah, I, and I honestly don't know how much that's going to factor in because I do think the cornerback position is such a, a problem that I Tom Brady is going to be able to get the ball out quick. Um, he's going to be able to neutralize the pass rush. So I'm, I'm, I, it's great that they're coming back, but I don't know if this is the game for it and this is the matchup for it. But, um, I listen, not every player is going to be a superstar. Not every player is going to be a pro bowler. So, um, but they can still have value. And I do feel that about those guys coming back. Danny Phantom, which of these is the most important? Actually, Tyler Biotis is the most important. So between Leighton Van Der Esch and Jonathan Hankins, who is more important? Who, um, I'm going to go with Leighton. I just think, and I'm a big Hankins fan, um, but, you know, Leighton's been doing a, a really good job, you know, attacking through the gaps. I think one of the the reasons why this is a really good answer, I think, is because it, are you it's bragging just, about your answer or are you bragging about Chris's answer? Chris's answer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to understand. Okay. I, the, re- the reason about what I'm going to say is because it's so spectacular is uh, I think it's because it allows the other guys to, to do the things that they can do. And you don't have to d- dedicate so many additional resources, you know, to, to make sure you secure the edge and stop in the run. So it kind of just, it, it almost frees, th- frees other guys up a little bit. That's why having both those guys back is going to be huge. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Hankins does a great job. I mean, he's no John Ridgeway, but he, you know, he does a great job <laughs> clogging up the middle. And uh, but Leighton, he, he he just flies after everything. So it's not only will he be back. I just hope he's back to Leighton. I hope he's just not a little bit, you know, sluggish and just still kind of ailing. So hopefully we get the good Leighton. Brandon Laurie, is this the healthiest the Cowboys are going to have been in some time? Presuming all three play, when you know, and, and understanding that other players have been lost for the season. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. Like the players that are gone, you're not going to be able to get them back. Last year, they were definitely healthier going into the postseason. But I, I do think that, yes, I was thinking about this actually today. I said, you know, is this the healthiest that they've been? And I agree. And I do think that Halman kind of touched on it a little bit, too, is this ripple effect of how Hankins helps Vanderesh, but Vanderesh also helps Damone Clark, you know, in his development. I do think that when Damone Clark lost Vanderesh as sort of like an on field, like counselor, camp counselor, it's like. <laughs> Andrew Ash was teaching him, you know, the ropes, telling him what to do, kind of navigate him. And Anthony Barr is a vet. Yes, that is true. He's been in the NFL for a long time. 
but this is also his first year in the system. So he's also learning. So Clark's looking at him saying, oh, what do I do here? It's like, well, I don't, I really don't know what I'm doing right now. So I do think that having Van Der Esch in there helps communication across all the defensive players, not just only the linebackers, but also the safeties. Van Der Esch has been better in pass, cover, pass coverage this year too, which again, with the quick game, with Brady getting the ball out quick, that will also clog up space too, which I like. Mm, okay. Um, just to, let's just move to back to- up Chris's just to back up Chris's point with the reinforcements. Keep in mind, game one against Tampa, no Gallup, uh, no T.Y. Hilton. Great no, points, uh, you know, So reinforcements are still on the way, considering we didn't have these guys originally. Also, to the point you made earlier, reps, like you don't have a fresh Dak Prescott in there, all sorts of stuff, whatever. That does work both ways, though, right? Like Micah Parsons, not the like you know, supremely healthy monster he was at that point of the season, but that can be said for everybody in the NFL. Um, Okay, Chris, I'm going to ask you to guess this because you almost went this direction. We have one of you who is fearful because of a lack of consistency with offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. Chris, you have been all over Kellen Moore. Everybody, Sturge hates Kellen Moore. I don't understand why the offensive coordinator, and I know David Howman agrees with me, of the team that has been the highest scoring team in the NFL takes such heat on a weekly basis. But Chris Holling, it was not you. Who do you think said this? Uh, based off uh, based off what I was listening to earlier today, I was listening to the writer's block. I know uh, Jess was pretty critical about um, about Kellen Moore, so I'm going to go with Jess on this one. Tony, tough scene, man. Like again, you're you're holding us back from a perfect game. You were the the one single in the fourth <laughs> inning, uh, but otherwise, this pitcher is wheeling and dealing. Jess Navarez, you hate Kellen Moore and you want him banished from Earth. Okay, whoa, 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 <laughs> slow down there. Uh, I don't hate him, and I don't want him banished from Earth, no. But what I do hate is I hate the lack of consistency within the play calling that is confusing this offense. Yes, one of the top scoring offenses in the league, no doubt. But that's when they're being consistent, which has not been happening. And what you start to see is a lack of confidence and miscommunications, miscues everywhere. And that doesn't help them, especially when you have a game like you did in Washington, where it was just nothing but miscommunication. And then you have eight days to bounce back from that and go to Tampa Bay and win a playoff game. I hold issue with that. I hold a big issue with that. And I think when you are the offensive coordinator, your job is to withhold the identity of your offense, which we've heard time and time again is the run game. Where has the run been? I get Tony Pollard has been dealing with that thigh injury and you had Malik Davis for a second, but that doesn't mean you shy away from what's working. That one-two punch has been so inconsistent throughout the season and I need more of it. If you are going to stick true to what works for this team, rely on your one-two punch, rely on the young tight end group, work with what you have and you have a good team, but it needs to be consistent and it drives me absolutely crazy. Mm, okay, so um, I think everybody has a thought on this. We're going to go around the whole block here to kind of get everybody's thoughts. So, you know, a little bit quickly here. Uh, Howman, this sets up well for you. Casey says, I'll tell you why there's Kellen Moore. Hey, I genuinely feel our offense is successful in spite of him, not because of him. Is this true or false, David Howman? It's absolutely false. Do we not remember Scott Linehan? I mean, the offense was absolutely unwatchable when he was there. The, the, the very first year that Kellen Moore comes in as offensive coordinator, what do the Cowboys do? They lead the, the, they lead the league in scoring. They lead the league in yards. They lead the league in offensive DVOA. So not only were they moving the ball a lot, but they were the most efficient offense in his very first year column plays. And this will actually be the first year when Kellen Moore has had Dak for the, the majority of the season where they have not finished in the top 10 in offensive DVOA. Um, so, yes, this is 
statistically one of his worst years, not counting the year when he when Dak was lost five games in. But also let's let's go back to the offseason. I mean, they took this offense apart. They got rid of Amari Cooper. They didn't bring back Cedric Wilson. They shipped out uh, Connor Williams. They lose Tyron Smith right before the games. The, the first game. Lyle Collins. Season. Just to add to your Lyle point. Collins, yeah, he's he's gone. And sure, Terrence Steele was really great before he went down for the year, but still they were they were changing out so many parts on this offense. And now we're kind of like, oh well, the offense is terrible after spending a whole offseason complaining about it. But also if you look at if you if you actually look at like their accumulative cumulative stats since Dak Prescott came back from his injury, if if you're discounting the the week 18 game because absolutely nothing went right for the Cowboys in that game. And looking at the kind of plays that they were calling was very obvious that they really condensed that playbook. But from week seven to week 17, the Cowboys were fourth in the league in offensive EPA per play. They were third in offensive success rate. So I don't understand looking at all that, how we come to the conclusion of, well, Kellen Moore is terrible. The offense is terrible. I understand sometimes situationally he might do things that people don't like, may not agree with. I've been there too, but I think that's pretty much the case for every offensive coordinator. They always will do something stupid at some point. And it, to me, it's not a reason to just completely throw them out. Mm. Okay, so that's two for Kellen. I'm counting myself with Hellman. One against, a very loud one. And Jess, uh, Brandon uh, Clements, uh, you did talk about this on the writer's block. We don't have to rehash every single point, but like, are you team for or against Kellen at this point? That's kind of what this question comes down to. I, 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 love, I love Kellen more. I've, I've liked him for years, but... Where it stands currently, I can't. I can't. I'm not. I'm not in, for, uh, in favor of him right now. I just. I don't like the way the offense is. The offense is uh, playing right now. I think they're sputtering along. I think the the scoring output is is more of the talent that the offense has over maybe the play calls that Calamar has, has called throughout the season. That's kind of where I'm, I stand with him currently. And what Jess was saying, they're you know giving up on the run and, and running these really basic bland plays recently. It just it's 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 not a formula for success, especially in the playoffs. So for me, that's that's my issue with Kellen Moore, and I don't like the fact when you're 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 not. I don't like the third and thirty type throws all the time. You don't need to do that. You don't need to run it twice against the brick wall and then just throw the ball, you know, you know, thirty yards down the field and and, and hope and pray that it's going to work. That's that's my big issue with with Kellen Moore right now. I, I'm a fan of his, but I, I, there's they need to do some tweaking before uh, before the Tampa Bay game, or it's going to be an early exit. I hate to say it. Danny Phantom Halman mentioned again. Cowboys ran three plays utilizing play action last week. Kind of again, the most it's a little obvious that they weren't playing like the, the, the their life wasn't on the line last week. They didn't play that way, at least. Um, so it does feel, Danny, like some people are, are criticizing that particular operation when it should be understood the the context of it all. Where do you sit here, Danny? You're a pretty reasonable person. I know that you know some people have some thoughts on that, but are you team for or against Kellen considering the context associated with last week? Well, I'm team four, Kellen, without question. And I think, you know, Hellman made some great points. Um, I will say, though, if, if I all I all I had to go by was last week, I would hate the guy because I don't know what he was doing last week. I thought I thought the play calling was just dreadful. But my thinking with Kellen is, is I kind of Kellen to me is like Dak. And you, you, people might disagree because usually Kellen's a scapegoat for the people that love Dak. But I, to me, I think that they're both really good at what they do. But when you have things going on, as, you know, such as not being able to run the ball or or receivers in which this I want to say to my roundtable, you know, po- co- opponents, you guys are more right about this than I am with the separation. It's CeeDee Lamb and nobody else. So when you have those things, those tools to work with, 
that's it makes it hard. It makes it hard for Dak. It makes it hard for Kellen. So I I don't think I think Kellen Mark's a great offensive coordinator. Um, I'm I, I don't have the hate for him at all. I think to me the reason people hate him is just because they don't want to be looking at the other things going on. Maybe in particular Mr. Prescott because we all want to love Dak Prescott, but there's fault to go around, and it's not it's not just on Kellen. Stretch, you have been very critical of Kellen Moore for years at this point in time in a fun, you know, kind of, you know, cool, comical way. Um, I kind of agree with Danny that that Kellen is a scapegoat for for the people who love and, and, and prop Dak up all the time. Like you can it can be both of their faults. It can be, you know, both of their brilliance that, that works out for the Cowboys. And people will sit here, Sturge, and be like, well, Dak has to do this. Michael Gallup isn't playing well. You know, he just met T.Y. Hilton. Terrence Steele is out. Look at Dak and all the points he's putting up. How do we give Kellen no credit for that? Uh, you can give Kellen credit for that, but every time, every time, we all seem to give Kellen more a little credit. Like if a nice concept is drawn up and you're like, wow, what a great route, 13, 14-yard gain on a on a laser to CD, the next play will be a bubble screen for negative two yards. Um, and, and I just can't understand. I'm not going to get past that because those are drive killers, man. They're drive killers. Every time he does that, you just look at it. And I, look, I always look at my father. I'm like, is that, is that ever going to work? Ever like, and just because it goes for like maybe four yards, sometimes you're like, oh, there it is. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 this is never going to work. So Kellen's inconsistency, I'll go with Jess. I'll piggyback off that. The in inconsistency out of his play calling is, is reason number one that I'm not in on Kellen Moore. And reason number two is that if you actually look, you know, if you watch all 22 or uh, if you watch these <laughs> from the, from the overhead view, are you seeing how many times these receivers are winding up in the same spot or how many times they run curls, all of them? You know what I mean? Like, where is the creativity? Sometimes, of course, yes, he'll drop one in the bucket and the play will be a beautiful, brilliant-looking thing. And sometimes you're going to look at him like, well, there's Boy Wonder. There's the genius we know he was. But for every time you do that and you say that, I feel like it's always another two or three times where I'm just like, yo, just please just get out of my locker room. Like, just just, just goodbye, you know? And, and I got to assume that Mike McCarthy at the same time might hear the plays in his head and say, whoa, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be some discrepancy there. And I think it starts with Kellen Moore blurting out something. And then, you know, the, the realists and the guys that have been there the longest are saying that that's not going to work, Kellen. Chris, where would you put Kellen as far as credit on your list? Like if you had to give credit to, to people associated with the Cowboys for the success of the offense, I'm, I'm presuming Dak is number one on your list. Like, like where is Kellen on that list? Is it Dak and then CD and then McCarthy? Like where, you know, do you think he's, he's pretty like low. 10? He's, he's pretty low. He's about as low as it can get. In my opinion, I'm, I hate Kellen more. Me and you have talked about this Ooh. so much. I, I just feel like he comes in, he comes in with no game plan. I feel like any game, it's just kind of like, okay, you know, like we'll try this and then it'll work for a little bit and then he'll shy away from it. Or then he'll give up on something too easily. I think like the run game and et cetera. I think that, you know, um, to um, piggyback off of what Sturge said, I fully agree with him. If you watch the overhead view of these plays, a lot of them are just small curl routes that are short of the first down marker and receivers are ending up in the same area. It's like the route concept and the designs is just so awful and just weird and flawed. I think the Cowboys would be better off without Kellen Moore. I actually hope he ends up somewhere else. And I hope another team is dumb enough to try and sign him as their head coach in the offseason. Tony, you've been sitting and kind of like listening, like listening with some intent to this. Um, grace us with your, your thoughts here. It's never that serious. You know, it's it's really it's 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 never as bad or as, you know, as good as you think it is. Right. At the end you of the day, you made up it's, for missing your pick, I think Tony, respect. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I think Kellen Moore has shown us some good things. I mean, this offense isn't great um, at times by accident, right? I think um, last year's talent was, you know, evident with Amari Cooper. This year, the, the talent isn't so apparent. Um, I think that, you know, at, at times, I, you got to give credit to what he was able to do with Cooper Rush, right? I think he kept the, you know, at, at sometimes you had to use Cooper Rush and his strengths and keep that season in there. And I know Rush didn't be able to, you didn't turn the ball over and that helped. And, but at the same time, you know, there's a little bit more freedom in Dak Prescott. You know, some, you know, I'm a big Dak guy. I think he calls checks. He makes some decisions sometimes that he, he runs the offense a little bit how he wants to. There, there is blame to go around. I do think that Kellen Moore, it, it's, you know, play calling is a lot like being on the field itself. It's sometimes you're hot and sometimes you're cold, right? Sometimes you get into a play calling rhythm where things are working, clicking, you can't do anything wrong. And then there's sometimes like last week where it's like, like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, you haven't done anything right. You're running, you know, three, you know, 10, what, 10, three and outs. That's unacceptable. So, um, you know, I, I am, for the record, team Kellen Moore. I think that he's fine. I don't think he's like, you know, top five offensive play callers in the league, but I certainly don't think he should be shipped off like Chris says. Laurie, we have a tie. Four, four, four against. No big deal. You decide the fate of Kellen Moore here um, at this point in Travel Council. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm four. Kellen Moore. Let's go. Um, and, and I say that because at all of Tony Pollard's career, I've been asking to get him more involved. And he has been this season. It's got him all the way to the Pro Bowl. And I understand that a lot of that is on Tony Pollard's talent. We can all agree on that. But I brought this up yesterday that you look at the Minnesota Vikings game that when Tony Pollard wasn't successful in the running game, they used him as a wide receiver, ended up over with 100 yards. So I think that you see this sort of flexibility with Kellen Moore. And not to mention, you know, when you bring a guy like T.Y. Hilton in, I'm sure the offensive coordinator has to sign off on that as well, too. You know, so I, I think that he's trying to find ways to grow. I, I do see, you know, last season, to me, the playoffs is going to matter a lot in how I think of him moving forward. His first playoff game as an offensive coordinator didn't go so hot. How are you going to respond to that, you know, this season? And I do think that we've seen that he's uh, able to adjust. He's able to um, grow like like that was mentioned with Tony. The Cooper Rush era was it seems like it's forgotten now, but he was able to tailor make a game plan for Cooper Rush to be successful. And I think that goes a long way in his success. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens in the postseason. Like I said, I think that that'll dictate how I feel about him moving forward. Um, but right now, I think him and Dak, they've been on the same page for for a long time. And he was dealt a bad hand with the personnel and what he was, you know, dealt this season with Amari Cooper being gone. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm all for him, at, at least as of right now. I can't wait till the next first and 25 where he runs a draw. <laughs> We're all just like, what? Um, that was a spirited discussion. Um, sucks to be on the losing end of it. I wouldn't know what that's like. Um, Tony, can you imagine being on the losing end of the Colin Moore discussion here tonight? I can't. <clears throat> nah, nope, not me. Nah. Couldn't be me. <laughs> All right, let's get positive once again. One of you has faith in the Cowboys specifically. Um, Tony, you were the one who said like the offense wasn't this good by accident. This wasn't your answer, to be clear. Uh, but the verbiage given to me was the Cowboys did not win 12 games by accident. Jess, you were correctly guessed uh, a moment ago. Who do you think has faith for this exact reason? Hmm. I'm trying to remember who already had their Yeah, pick. can you put your hands up? Uh, I've already forgotten, yeah. too, if you've had yours outed. Uh, Lori, you had yours added. Brandon, uh, Halman, Chris, uh, that's it. And you yourself, Jess, obviously. So we've got Danny Sturch and Tony left. Oh, man. Okay. The Cowboys did not win 12 games by accident. I'm going to go with Tony. 
Well, you have now joined Tony as somebody oh. to mess this up. Uh, it was Dave Sturchio oh. who has faith because the Cowboys did not win 12 games by accident. Sturch, you sent me like four of them. And I said, please just pick one. <laughs> um, and you said, go with this one. So why was this your choice? Uh, because in the NFL, it's not easy to just go out there and win some games. You know what I mean? Like ask the teams that struggled this year. They, they struggled poorly. The Dallas Cowboys were in a position in the last week of the season, all of a sudden, to be the number one seed if things fell our way. Like, you, that doesn't happen because they're struggling all year. I mean, like, look, the last month of the season is when you want to catch fire, right? Yeah, we've seen it. We've seen Joe Burrow do it last year. We've seen the 49ers do it this year. But sometimes you peak too early, too. Sometimes you peak too early. Sometimes you're playing your best ball, and then you get punched right in the mouth, a la the Dallas Cowboys last season. They went into the 49er game thinking, you know what? Our shit don't sorry, sorry. Our stuff don't stink. Um, and and they got punched right in the face. And, and and that was it. The season was over within a blink of an eye, man. So, like, I think that the, the Cowboys came out there. They won another 12 games for the first time in forever that they have 12 wins again, right? With, with let's, let's be honest, overtime with the Jaguars, overtime with the Packers, this Washington abomination, you're looking at a team that could have won easily. 15 games this season 15 so there has to be some optimism going into the season or the postseason with this because tom brady went out there played the same amount of games as the dallas cowboys and couldn't win half of them he couldn't so correct me if i'm wrong mike evans chris godwin leonard fournette rashad white 17 tight ends over there their offensive line got banged up i get it but like at the end of the day this this team they won games and it doesn't happen by accident. I'm sorry, like you win these games because you are a good, well balanced football team. You don't just do this stuff by accident, man. I'm sorry, Halman. Um, this conversation can never be one. It, it becomes like a, a dunk on you thing. It's like, well, they're a really good team. Did they win the Super Bowl? No, you know what I mean. Like it's it, it can be true that they were a very good team if they don't win the Super Bowl. And I think that's Sturge's point, right? Like they they might not. They probably won't. Like odds are that they will not win the Super Bowl, but like. They have a Fight chance for the second year in a row, which is and, and you can laugh and say it's pathetic that like that's a, a proud achievement for this franchise. But it is like that's the reality. Like the the darkest part of the night is fading in the background. And and to search this point, I mean, sure, you can argue they could have won 15 games, whatever. They could have lost that Texans game. You can play that game both ways, Sturge, just to be whatever, clear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but they are a very good team, Howman. We have seen them win games different ways. It has not just been the brilliance of Kellen Moore on display. They won games with a strong defense. They won games with a backup quarterback. Like, they are arguably the most diverse team in the NFL when it comes to having success in multiple ways. Yeah, you make a good point. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Cowboys, I mean, the Cowboys didn't win 12 games by accident, as Sturge said. But, you know, you also don't get to the playoffs by accident. You know, good teams get to the playoffs. And once you get to the playoffs, you actually have to play those good teams and you have to beat them. Um, and I think that's really the difference that, that I've noticed between this year's team and last year's team is their record against teams with a winning record. And, you know, they've they've won more games against teams with with a above 500 record this year than any other team in the NFL. That wasn't the case last year. We all remember going into that Cardinals game and thinking like this is the one where, you know, and also the Cardinals ended up, you know, really falling off shortly after, thereafter and they fired their coach early, earlier today. Um, but that was one of those games where it's a team with a lot of wins to having a great season. This is the time to prove themselves. And they fell flat. And it hasn't been the case this year. The, the kind of concerning thing is that the games where they have fallen flat have been against some teams that at the time didn't really look that great. The Jaguars weren't as great as they finished the season off being the Packers, even though they found their mojo later on, they were not good when the Cowboys lost to them. 
the commanders had given up so, on the season so much that they've turned to Sam Howell quarterback. Um, so it's, it's definitely a situation of playing down to the opponent's level. And that does give me concern against arguably the worst playoff team this year being up next on the docket, but still they've beaten good teams. They've shown that they can do that. And 12 game, 12 wins in consecutive seasons for the first time in forever. You can't just ignore that. Danny Fanta, do you trust the Cowboys more today than you did on the Tuesday of Wildcard Week a year ago? No, I do not. Is that independent of opponent? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it has nothing to do with the Jimmy Garoppolo conversation we were having. And this is just who they are as a team. Who they are as a team. Yeah. And there are a few factors that come in. And you guys know how I feel about the the McCarthy and and the way the team is prepared and the confidence that the team has. And I think there's some things that's starting to show itself. And there's some, I mean, 12 wins, you're right, 12 wins is nothing. I mean, that that's good. That We, we know that. We're not going to debate that. But, but to me, I also think that 12, we want more than that. And I think that we would all would say, yeah, we could, we could win 12 games. And no one's going to be like super, you know, jacked about that. We want, we want something better. And we were all starting to believe that this was something better. And I think there's some things that are starting to reveal itself to where it's like, you know what? It, I don't know that it's any different, RJ. I'll tell you what, everyone talks about these back-to-back and, you know, 12 wins, double digits, whatever. This is also, we could be looking at if we get bounced on Monday night. I mean, we don't even get to the divisional round in, in, in the first three years with, with Mark Carthy. So, I mean, to me, there are, there are some things going on that just make me feel unsettled. So, yeah, I don't I don't feel so great about it. And I didn't feel that great about San Francisco either. But I think I felt a little better, if I'm being honest. Jess, you experienced a physical evolution, I saw. Like, you went from just kind of, like, like shaking your shoulders to, like, kind of, you know, squirming your mouth a little bit to then, like, squeezing your hands. Um, Evolution's a great movie, by the way. People don't bring it up enough. Uh, but, Jess, uh, your thoughts about what Danny <laughs> <had to say. laughs> Exactly. Danny, you know I love you, and I respect you so much, but respectfully disagree. Mike McCarthy, I know he's not your guy, but he is the first coach – that has brought this team back-to-back playoff appearances since 2006, 2007. This is the first time this team has won 12 games in two years in a row since 1994, 1995. I wasn't even born yet. Okay. That is not something you cannot say to some of us. He's also the first, first coach to lose to Washington by 20, 20 points, you know, three times. Okay. Like we, we we don't need to like, Talk about the, the yeah. Washington loss is like such a weird aberration of a game. Like it, it was not was. their best effort. Go ahead, Jess. But my my whole point in saying that is you can't disc- discredit everything Mike McCarthy has done for this team. I mean, this team, who was the better option? Who would have taken that 2020 season and turned it around in two years like Mike McCarthy has? I really don't think that there was another option at that point. And again, we were just talking about, okay, Kellen Moore deserves some credit. Sure. I think everybody deserves credit at this point to get to this point, but you can give Kellen Moore credit, but you can't give Mike McCarthy credit. I, I don't give, get that. No, I give McCarthy credit all the time. And it's just, again, Mike McCarthy to me has shown that at this point, it is a, it is a matter of execution on everybody's end to come back from Washington and win on Monday. It's a point of execution because we've seen, and this goes back to the inconsistency topic, we've seen spurts of greatness from every single aspect of this team, but have we seen a complete game other than the Vikings game? 
that's the concern going into Monday. Tony, were you, you're somebody who, when the Cowboys lose, you kind of wear your emotions on your sleeve in a really good way. Um, Danny said he doesn't believe this Cowboys team or he doesn't trust this Cowboys team more than he did at this point a year ago. Were you more com- are you more confident the Cowboys will win this week, Tony, than you were that they would beat the Lions in the wild card round of the playoffs in 2014? By the way, tomorrow is the eight year anniversary of the Des catch. Sorry. You know, I, know I think there's that, there's a lot of it. <laughs> there's there's a <laughs> no, lot that goes into this year's <laughs> oh, why do we gotta bring that up? Right. So I there's mean... a lot that's Go ahead, Tony. Um, yeah, you're so, on delay, sorry. which uh, makes the everybody a, chirping in a little awkward. But yeah. go ahead, Tony. The floor is yours. Sure. Um, there's a there's a lot that goes into why I feel better this year than compared to 2014. Um, I, I like the way this defense has looked at times, right? Even looking at last year, I was confident. You know, I, I was wrong about the 49ers and how that matchup played out for us because I was confident. I thought, you know, last year was different. I thought that that team had a type of destiny to them but this year this team the makeup what have they shown us and how they're built i feel really good about what they can do if they put it all together you know i think it's um you know compared to 2014 yeah like that was um i mean it was fun but at the same time uh i like dan quinn i'm not obviously i'm i gotta be ken lamore's biggest fan in this group you know compared <laughs> to other people in here but um Ultimately, I, I I don't know what we want from Mike McCarthy, right? I, I know that Danny comes at uh, Mike McCarthy for the overconfidence thing, but like, do you want him to be Buzz Killington in there and just be like, guys, I know you're feeling yourself. I know everything's good here, but like, let's simmer down. Like, I, I just don't know what, yeah. I, d- I just don't know what you want him to do. Like, if I, I understand blaming the referees and there's some of that kind of back and forth stuff that we are very vocal and very honest about. But other than that, like Mike McCarthy, out of the last two out of the three years is has done an impressive work and he's done things with Cooper rush and he's had challenges and he's found ways to get over it. And, um, you know, you got to give a little bit of the flowers when you can. Um, I agree with everything you said, Tony. I mean, this season, the head coach has a little bit more grease on his hands, right? Like callus is on his hands from like, you know, th- this, this was earned, you know what I mean? And, and nobody knows when it's going to end, but, but th- the nature of the job Mike McCarthy holds is that whatever happens next Monday is going to swing a lot of narratives um, in a powerful way. And that's just kind of what, what goes and comes with it. Uh, we have two more to get to. So we're going to be kind of quick with these. Um, we're down to Tony and Danny. Um, so um, I'm going to have, um, Lori, you get to pick here. You get to guess. So we have to have two people miss. We have one faith and one fear. Um, so actually, to make it more difficult, instead of telling you exactly what they said, who do you think was faith and who do you think was fear between Tony oh, Catalina and Danny Phantom? Now you're making it harder, man. I thought you were going to do it. That's later. the whole point. That's, a, yeah. I mean, it's hard. You, you had the easy, you know, process of elimination here. You got two people to choose from. So, so you want me to pick one or both? Well, you're effectively picking both well yeah okay yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say i'm gonna say tony is uh faith i i trust i trust tony to be faithful tony was good faithful we're gonna, we're gonna you, end <laughs> yeah uh good good line for you tony uh t- tony has faith in the cowboys because this team has shown us that they are capable they have the right structure and stability was your point you kind of just talked about that tony D- do you feel like this team is is maybe not battle tested, but like, like they've seen everything, right? Like they, they've seen everything that an NFL season can offer. So bring on the goat. Like he's the only thing that's left. Yeah. I mean, this team at one point in time, right? The defense was all world. The offense has looked 
all world. Special teams look like to be one of the better units. I have faith in Dan Quinn. I have faith in Mike McCarthy as a head coach. I think Kellen Moore has the ability to do good things for this team. So there has been, you know, bits and pieces this season. They've gone through adversity. They talk about resiliency being their phrase of the year. Like there is makeup of this team and and things that they've shown us over the year that that makes me buy into what this team can be. Now, honestly, we all know that football and NFL as a whole is you know, it could be gone with the wind the next day, right? Like you could feel really good walking into a 49ers wildcard game and get punched in the mouth and the season's over and you're kind of sitting there with a blank stare on your face. But this team, if they can find a way to just go and beat a sub 500 undeserving division winning team, you know, being manned by the goat, right? At, at, at some point, this man is going to die, right? This is like, this is Jason. This is Freddie. Like at some point, the villain is going to be taken out. So uh, Tom Brady isn't going to be on top of this statue or this pedestal forever. Why not this year? I think that they have the structure. They have the ability. They have the talent. There are some deficiencies, but I have trust and faith that Dan Quinn is going to be able to put themselves in advantageous positions. They're not necessarily going to find themselves on island with Nashawn Wright trying to cover Chris Godwin. And I think there's going to be ways to help and there's going to be things that they can do. And, um, you know, ultimately this team, this team has the makeup. They just have to find a way to put it all together. Uh, Danny, we'll just kind of get to yours now. Um, so we can tie a bow on all this. Your fear is the offensive line issues with the Dallas Cowboys. Now we do think that Tyler Biotis is going to play on Monday night. Um, are you just nervous that, you know, maybe, you know, the big bad wolf comes and, and this isn't the house of straw, but it's the house of twigs, right? Like a big enough gust is going to blow this whole thing down. Yeah. It's just, for me, it's just what I've seen on tape the last few weeks. And, and it's certainly not just the Washington game, you know, even if you thought, even though that was really dreadful as far as in the trenches, but if you throw that out, then you, the next thing you look at is the Cowboys offensive line getting beat by third string Titans players. And it, it was not fun to watch. And I, I, I'm worried because I'm just seeing them getting overpowered and I'm seeing they're making too many. If one guy doesn't pull the right way and, and secure the edge, then the, the play is blown up. And it's just maddening to see what's happening to, to the running game that they just, they just can't, it's broke. It's, it's, it's genuinely broke. Um, so, and when that happens, what, what's left that, that means Dak Prescott needs to save the day. And you know, sometimes he does. But that that's a lot to put on him, and sometimes he doesn't. And I remember the San Francisco game very vividly, and when when San Francisco was shutting down a run, and then what Dax he he panics a little bit, and he's forced to try to do these things. The next thing you know, he's throwing a pick in his own territory, and we're in, we're in bad shape. So those are the things that concern me. If we really get overpowered in the trenches, it's going to just take away what we can do on the offensive side of the ball. So you know, unless Kellen Moore has some tricks up his sleeve to kind of mitigate some of these issues i'm really concerned about the cowboys offense because let's face it the defense is good but they're going to get exposed at times and they're going to have a battle they cannot win the game for us we need help from the offense and i'm just hoping that they, they can show up and they can they can do it for us david Hellman, johnny boy says that tyron smith has had some shaky moments at right tackle do you feel like that's fair I mean, I think it's fair, but I think it's also fair to just consider like he hasn't played that position since his rookie year and he's coming off a really nasty injury with his with his hamstring too. So, you know, not only is he returning from that injury, but he's now having to flip everything he does. Um, so I, I think he gets some grace there, but you've kind of seen him from week to week. He gets just a little bit more confident. He's looking just a little bit more like himself. Um, so I, I give him some slack there. 
Mm. Okay. Um, you all made a point, a reason you have faith, the reason you have fear. Nobody asked for mine. Kind of offended. No big deal. Uh, but I'm going to offer it anyway. RJ, RJ, it. real quick. Um, faith or fear? Thank you so much, Sturge. I love you with all my heart and all my soul. Got you, buddy. Um, so I recognize um, that everybody's afraid of Tom Brady. I'm afraid of Tom Brady, right? Like, I don't know how many millions of football fans have had their lives like impacted negatively because of Tom Brady. Um, so what I'm about to rattle off is kind of a symptom of who Tom Brady is. And so like, um, I don't mean this to be like an RGO Choa tweet where it's like this fun correlation or coincidence. Um, but I think we are all picking the Cowboys to win. Is anybody picking the Cowboys to lose this game? Anybody? Hands up. David Hellman, get the hell out of here, please. Um, so, okay. We're all picking the Cowboys to win. And I understand that Tom Brady is not the big bad wolf that he's been um, for a long time, but like, you cannot tell me that a win over Tom Brady would not be a big thing. And it would not be a big thing for Mike McCarthy, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I recognize a bit of a shell of himself, uh, but so I have faith in the Cowboys because I think they'll win this game and a win over Tom Brady is a big deal. Dating all the way back to 2010, I double checked while you were all talking. I was totally listening. Um, last year, the team who beat Tom Brady in the playoffs won the Super Bowl. Two years ago, 2020, that did not exist because Tom Brady's team won the Super Bowl. In 2019, the team that beat Tom Brady in the playoffs was the Tennessee Titans. They made it to the AFC Championship game and ran into the Kansas City Chiefs. Not exactly something to be embarrassed about. In 2018, nobody beat Tom Brady's team because they won the Super Bowl. In 2017, the team that beat Tom Brady's team beat them in the Super Bowl. I know we don't like to recognize that that happened, uh, but it was the Philadelphia Eagles. In 2016, Tom Brady's team won the Super Bowl, 28-3. to In 2015, the team who beat Tom Brady's team in the playoffs won the Super Bowl. They beat him in the AFC Championship game. The Denver Broncos did. In 2014, Tom Brady's team won the Super Bowl. Obviously, he's very good at this. In 2013, the team who beat Tom Brady's team in the playoffs made it to the Super Bowl, the Denver Broncos. They did lose to the Seattle Seahawks. But still, in 2012, the team who beat Tom Brady's team in the playoffs won the Super Bowl 10 years ago, the Baltimore Ravens, the lights going out the Superdome. In 2011, the team who beat Tom Brady's team in the playoffs won the Super Bowl, the New York Giants, two of these teams, NFC East teams. In 2010, the team who beat Tom Brady's team in the playoffs, the New York Jets, the last time they were in the playoffs, made it to the AFC Championship game. Obviously, they did not win the Super Bowl. But my point is, beating Tom Brady is like a big deal. It is a big influx of confidence. So I know the Cowboys will have to go to Philadelphia or San Francisco or wherever the hell, but like, holy crap, if you beat Tom Brady, who else can stand in your way, Tony Catalina? Nobody, baby, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> that was the response I was looking for. I feel like um, that segment was going to go like... Like you know, in 1976, Tom Brady was well, like, oh I mean, Christ, how long has this bum played? <laughs> but God. I agree with Aisha. Like she said, LMAO, you beat Tom Brady, you feel unbeatable. Is that not true? Like, would, would anybody not feel that way on Monday night or Tuesday morning if that happened? Again, fully recognizing that this Bucks team is below 500. That would be all the talk, et cetera. You didn't even really beat Tom Brady. Eagles fans and Giants fans would say, we beat him in the Super Bowl. Who cares? You beat Tom Brady. Who the hell is Jalen Hurts? Or definitely who the hell is Brock Purdy, right? Like, what, what can you not do yeah, if you can RJ, beat Tom Brady, Search. I'll tell you right now what the narrative is going to be if we beat Tom Brady. You beat 45-year-old Tom Brady. You didn't beat the other Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Like, so so they're gonna spin this against us. They're gonna, no matter what. If we beat Tom Brady, they're gonna be like, well, you know, he had like three hip replacements and a and a fake knee and all this other stuff. And he's he's not eating as much kale. And like, you know what I mean? Like this it's, it doesn't for me, it's just I don't know. It's they're gonna spin it in a way where we're not gonna be able to us nine will be able to puff our chest out like McGregor and just walk around like our, our crap don't stink, but like the the outsiders i'm talking the eagles fans and the giants fans and all those people they're gonna be like well you know it was eight and nine tom brady <laughs> so it's not as big a deal 
Howman, I saw you nodding. Even though you are picking the Buccaneers to win, you agree with the sentiment that if the Cowboys were able to vanquish, you know, the emperor here, I mean, like, you are you are the one. You are Luke or Ray, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, and it just kind of goes back to, like, why I'm so scared of Tom Brady, why I think the Buccaneers are ultimately going to end up winning this game. Like, I, I just – I I really hope that it happens, but I don't see it because Tom Brady is Tom Brady. He's beat the Cowboys seven times out of seven tries. And it, it kind of brings me back to the Packers game earlier this year, where in that game, I actually picked the Cowboys to beat the Packers. And I kind of felt bad about it because I was like, I feel like having picked them, I'm going to jinx it for another Aaron Rodgers moment. And it's kind of the same deal here. Like it's not, it can't happen against Aaron Rodgers and it didn't, it can't happen against Tom Brady, even though if it does, it changes everything. Yeah. Chris, I mean, you also cut LVE in the preseason. So <laughs> Chris, I know you're a little bit younger, so you don't have as many scars as some of us here, but like, if it's like, I, I Sturge had a tweet a long time ago, a few months uh, earlier in the season that I loved. It was like someday all these tweets and all these jokes and everything will end. And it, on, on that day, a lot of people will have nothing to say, but like, if it's all going to end and not that the Cowboys would win the Super Bowl on Monday, Chris, but like, wouldn't it be on a Monday night when the Cowboys wear their Navy jerseys on a grass field, like all the stupid, silly stuff that we lose sleep over? Like, wouldn't it be all of that being undone in one fell swoop? I'm hoping on Tuesday, you know, I load on to uh, Instagram and I see all the meme pages are quiet. You know, I'm watching first take. Stephen A. Smith is all upset. He's not Watch happy. You're watching that. You know? So that's <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like, you know, I'm just hoping that at the end of the day, we um, do break all those curses. And, and um, I also agree, too. I think that if you do beat Tom Brady, I think that the rest of the playoffs feels a lot easier from a morale standpoint. So I agree with you there. Brandon Clements, you were nodding along. I mean, is this. Again, this is not the Super Bowl, but is like in in many ways you could argue this is the best. And I'm not like saying, "Oh, Cowboys by 50," but like this is the best kind of way you can kickstart this run. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you can kickstart the playoff run by beating beating the goat, I mean, and and like Halman said, it's the Bra- Brady's been seven and zero versus the Cowboys. So why not uh, why not get that first uh, first L for him by means of moving on to the divisional round and then beating the Philadelphia Eagles? I think that's a I think that's a great way to look at things, and I think. I think the Cowboys, and I, I said on the I, I said on the uh, on the writers block uh, for today's show, I think the Cowboys ceiling, or at least their floor, I think is is like the NFC Championship. So I think we can at least get there. And then depending on how things go, I think a Super Bowl run is definitely in the cards. I just I want to see some more consistent play calling on offense. That's that's kind of where I'm at. And I, I think if that can happen, you know, you know, I'm not a big I'm not a big Cal more this more fan at this point. But if we can get some consistent play calling, get Tony Pollard involved more, and get Ceedee Lamb involved more. You know, even get those tight ends and you know those three tight ends we got in there involved. I think that's I think we're good. I think the special teams. I'm I'm not worried about it. The defense. I trust Dan Quinn to to do what he needs to do against Tom Brady to get Tom Brady off his spot because we need to bring the pressure up the middle, get in his face, make him go off his spot because he doesn't. He still doesn't have. He still got. He has a great arm still, but it's not the arm that he had back when he was throwing bombs to Randy Moss. So if you can get him off his get him off his platform just a little bit when you're pressuring him up the middle. I'm I'm good. I think I think we'll take our chances against against Tom Brady in that situation. And I I really I'm really feeling good about this game. You know, I'll I'll put a score out there. I, I think it's going to be I think it'll be like a 34-31 type game. It's going to be close, but I think the Cowboys pull it out. Danny Phantom, uh, win over Tom Brady in the playoffs is sweet, no matter what Tom Brady team it is. True or false? Yeah, it's sweet, but you know, I I dare to think it's it's, it's a good start. But to me, I feel like it's it's an amazing I mean, start. It's it's a good start. No, let's not. It's like it's like defeating a stormtrooper. Let's be real. I mean, we got oh, you nerd. 
You got it. Wow. You got some. You guys can't. We can't act like. All right, we're we got it now because they're the real teams start the following week. So yeah, it, it'd be great. And I mean, honestly, if we beat Tom Brady and you know we're not going to Mike McCarthy's not going to be the only coach to to not win the Super Bowl that you know when Tom Brady doesn't you know so that's not going to happen right so but no it there's there's tougher teams that we got to do it's 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 nice uh, it's a good start to it but but that's all it is I mean because there are tougher teams that lie ahead and and that this is where our worry should be I mean we shouldn't it shouldn't be Tom Brady who are we not who are we playing Monday Danny do you <laughs> You That's got what we got to worry about. What are you worried about? Brock Purdy? Like, first of all, you can give Danny Phantom a million dollars and he'll come back and be like, well, it's not a million and one. So it's like, come on. I mean, there's man. a lot of a lot of taxes Brady. you got to pay on that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you win the lottery or something like taxes. that. It's, it's not the million you think it is on paper. Brandon, they're, you had your hand raised and then we'll get to Jess and, and Lori. I, I don't care. I don't care the, the narrative about Brock Purdy. Like he's, he's playing some good football. They have so much talent on that team. I, last time I checked, they had Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. And uh, they got one of the Bosa boys on defense. That team is that team is the most complete team in the NFC. I that's that is the team that I can see the Cowboys losing to in the NFC Championship game. They, good. That's a, that's a all right. That's list. enough. That's enough, Brandon. That's we're cool on this. Uh, we're cool. We're cool. Anyway, <laughs> no, that's that, in fact. I'm not, all right. I'm not, all right. Okay. So Jess, um, it was a long time ago that Dak Prescott told Tom Brady, "We'll see you again." Did not totally happen um, the way he envisioned. Great Owl City song um, with a similar name, that is. But, like, is this not, like, a manifestation of, like, a, a, a one of those things finally happened? Like, nobody ever talks about, like, when Romo had his, like, funny tweet, the, like, major league scene in 2015. Like, I guess we'll win the whole thing. And then they lost, like, every single game. But, like, this literally happened. Like, this this is a thing. Like, it's it's returning to the scene of the crime. The moment that we all kind of expected everything to crystallize, it is finally here. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that Owl City song because it's from a Disney movie called Wreck-It Ralph. And I, myself, love a Disney movie happy ending. Slay your dragon at Tom Brady. Get your storybook ending with that. Close that chapter. And then you worry about the next opponent. But beating Tom Brady and Dak manifesting this moment, I'll see you again. You knew what he was implying when he said that. And sure, it didn't happen for them when he said it. But you know, as well as I do, that that 49ers loss last season has stayed in those players' mouth as a bad taste since it happened. They've talked about it over and over and over again throughout the duration of this season. And here's the thing. You can worry about the 49ers. You can worry about Philly when that time comes. Slay your dragon and start your storybook ending so that way these narratives are done. And again, people aren't going to be happy, right? Oh, you're Tom Brady 7-1 against the Cowboys. It doesn't matter because that means you knock Tom Brady out of the playoffs. That's shut down. You're on to the next round. That narrative is also shut down. There's so much at stake here. And I think the biggest for me is the confidence of these players and how much this can boost them going forward and give them everything they need to win those harder teams come around. You're ready to go. Uh, Brandon, I don't have a Cowboys, uh, Brandon, Laurie, I don't have a Cowboys question for you. I have a request and it would be, could you tell yourself, Jess and Brandon, this week's episode of the Riders Block that you guys won the round table? Hey, listen, uh, <laughs> I, I like that. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Wow. Nobody, nobody cheered. Nobody said anything. Like, you know, I'm kind of rethinking my decision here. You know? Great job, RJ. Haters. Haters. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Brandon, uh, you, you can you can speak for everybody. What does it feel like to win this roundtable, the playoff edition? By the way, we will have a second roundtable on Thursday night here uh, where we will give something away thanks to our friends at Homage. 
Yeah, it's uh, definitely special. Um, I do think that we had a great discussion with regards to talking about questions heading into the playoffs. And we've touched on a lot of topics that we discussed. But it, just quickly touching on what you talked about with the catapulting of you know beating Tom Brady, I think it also confirms what Mike McCarthy has been talking about since he joined the team. You know, this playoff success that he had with going on the road three consecutive games, making it to the Super Bowl, the players will buy in if that happens. And I think that once you have that buy-in, you see sort of like the fruits of the labor kind of come all together. That has a powerful, powerful impact. And I do think that when you say it and you preach it over and over again, it's like, all right, you know, is is he just talking? Like, are we actually going to do this? The minute that actually happens, you know, just like when you listen to the writer's block, it makes you feel that much more confident in the product that you're putting out in the future, which is the divisional round, the championship game, and then eventually the Super Bowl. Mm. Tony, how do you feel that your show did not win and that another show, an entire show won over you and Sturge? We know who the real winners are. Come on. The first and 10 podcast wins a lot, so I'm not too worried. Wow. Um, this was sore losers. Go ahead. Sore, sore losers. It's okay. It's all right. Here's I'm the thing. I, I, here, listen. Here listen, with writer's it, block, we support all of our BTS. You know what? And, and just with all of you, very Jeff, much. With with that with that writer's block, I just slapped my over bet on how many times you guys can say writer's block within one roundtable. So mm. us at first and ten, we don't have to tout ourselves. We already know we're the best going on the network. So you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, can you look behind Tony? Um, that's true. Sorry, I didn't have a log cabin, Danny. Uh, I don't think that's a log cabin. That's like um, Danny's like in Lake Tahoe or something. Like that's that's a luxury cabin. I mean, you know, Nick's fathead behind me. Um, Palman Johnny Boy says that everybody wins except for you. How dare you pick the Bucks? Do you feel bad, Palman? (laughs) Yeah, no, I feel I feel bad, but you know what? Um, if the Cowboys win on Monday, I'm not going to care. Hmm, that's well said. Um, Chris Holling. Outside of yourself, Chris, who wore the best Navy jersey tonight? Um, I'm going to have to go with Dak for sure. So um, Jess and Tony, they had the best And jersey. Danny. Danny had Dak too. And Danny. And Danny had Dak. I forgot because it's Danny seems to hate on Dak a lot. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, that's true. Um, wow. Uh, well, Brandon, you have your own custom jersey, so it's a little bit more of a unique thing. Uh, Danny Phantom, um, what episode of the Brady Bunch did we embody tonight in your mind? <laughs> Oh, I think it was when like they overloaded the washing machine and just all the suds came out and it was just a big mess. <laughs> I really don't know if that's a real thing. Like I've seen a lot of TV in my life, um, but I don't have like an extensive knowledge who's of the get, Brady Bunch. Who's getting hit in the face with a football? <laughs> but, um, well, Howman's the one who picked the Bucks. Um, oh, he's getting know. hit in the face. The <laughs> um, I don't know. I would appreciate it if someone could look it up before we leave. What? What year did the Brady Bunch end? I wonder if Tom Brady was born before the Brady Bunch ended. I'm kind of curious about this. Um, buy somebody time. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna guess the Brady Bunch ended like in 19. Maybe I'm really far off. Maybe it ended like 74. the early 70s. And Tom Brady was born in what? 77. Brady. The Brady Bunch ended in 74. And Tom Brady was born in 1970. Hey, it was the Brady Bunch. We didn't even think about 77. Tom he Brady was born in 77. Crap. So Brady was three. Um, no, Brady wasn't born yet. So Brady, whatever. <laughs> good, good, or quick math. Too many freaking times saying Tom Brady is tired of this. Simple math. I would just like to point that out. What was um, that? Wow. On the writer's block, we know how to do simple math. So first of all, our <laughs> podcast has numbers, have in numbers in it. Your, all right. You didn't do a great job, there, buddy. <laughs> it's really stressful. Um, Brandon Laurie, I would like you to pick somebody um, to tell us what they like about the color navy. You can pick whoever you want. 
Um, I'm gonna and do my Wi-Fi is bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said I'm that really do... fast for somebody whose Wi-Fi is supposedly bad, Tony. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna do Chris uh hauling only because he also has the Micah Parsons Navy jersey in the background, so he's doubling down. So it seems like mm-hmm. that navy's kind of like a good color for him. Okay, Chris, what do you like about the color navy? Send us home. Nice, Jess. Nice. Um, I love the color navy because it reminds me of America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. So that's why I love it so much. I don't know. It's okay, a nice color to look at too. It's what's like a, you know, what's a non-cowboys navy thing you like? A non-cowboys let's, let's, navy. We'll be a little more creative here. I've always liked the color blue. So, so I guess I'll say it's so my your favorite, favorite color. thing about the color navy is the, the color. Is blue. that it's blue? Yes, that's my. It's, um, <laughs> what else am I supposed to say? How else do I describe I mean, navy? You, you could have said it's the navy. Um, the you navy. Said, okay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sturge brought a. And is that Terry Glenn Sturge? Terry Glenn. I, I just because I, I just showed me her stuff over there, so I just wanted to brag about this. Terry Glenn. Uh, this was the 2006 Thanksgiving Day edition, right? Because I was against there for the that. Bucks. It's against the Bucks. The t- that's why it's the Bucks. So I'm bringing this up. We beat the brakes off him. T- uh, Tony Romo threw five touchdowns, and guess what? You're not gonna believe who signed it. After that's Mr. Jerry Jones signed my autograph here. So my boss, sort of um, roundabout way. You know, people forget that was the original Salvation Army kettle celebration. I remember. Um, yep. So, yeah. Um, all right, Danny, give us something else about the color navy. Anything you want, like come on, something positive though. Let's let's end right. Uh, I don't know what you're looking for, RJ, but I mean, <laughs> I just think that. Don't you think that with with the white pants and the and the and the trim that the, I mean, don't you think that that combo is just the, one of the best uniforms in the league? Shout out to S. Bryant. It was his idea, 2017. Um, Man, oh, that's the thing, oh, man. Oh, before I forget, Howman, you disrespected Scott Linehan. Did he not run that reverse to Des Bryant, who nobody knew was a left-handed thrower, and he threw that touchdown pass? You can't. Everybody knew he that. was a left-handed thrower. You're dismissing a left-handed thrower and Kellen Moore, Sturge. That's true too. But, uh, <laughs> I digress. RJ, the best thing about the color navy is that it's going to be the color the Cowboys wear when they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks on Monday. That's the answer we were looking for. That's the roundtable, everybody. Have a good week.